section one of the rover volume one number nine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number nine edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section one dryborough abbey the name of dryborough abbey is familiar to every reader of the border antiquities of scotland it is of great antiquity and quotes in the history of its abbots the name of st modin who flourished in the middle of the sixth century and was among the earliest christian missionaries in britain the new abbey was founded in the middle of the twelfth century by hugh de morville lord of lauderdale and his wife beatrice de beauchamp and confirmed by royal charter in the reign of king david i who may be distinguished as the monastic monarch of scotland from the number and importance of the religious edifices which he endowed dryborough was burnt during the wars of robert bruce with the english but subsequently restored and after many vicissitudes prosperous and adverse shared at last in the destruction with which in common with other temples of a falling hierarchy it was visited during the moral cataclysm of the revolution the abbey has however been recently invested with an interest so deep that the tombs of arqua ferrara ravenna and even the immortal groves of posilippo have scarcely within so short a space witnessed so many distinguished votaries as here crowd around that spot which the dust of our poet has consecrated what in another place and among other people has been said of posilippo and the tomb of virgil may be applied with no little force and fidelity to the hallowed precincts of dryborough once a favourite scene and now the sepulchre of scott the poet's song in sanctifying dust here left and living stamp upon the soil the seal of immortality the bust nor monument of man's elaborate toil nor precious bronze nor sculptured urn in crust the haunted precincts what no time can spoil nor man impair traits of immortal mind claims for that dust the homage of mankind it is the perfect freedom from all the alloys of genius that makes us turn with such delight to scott whose mighty mind was unsullied by a single example of envy hatred or jealousy placed on an eminence to which all eyes were directed even the argus optics of envy could discover no blemish in him unspoiled by praise and unscathed by censure his was indeed a brilliant career and the admiration accorded to the author seemed but to increase the affection felt toward the man what a profound knowledge of human nature did he evince when for years he concealed that he was the author of the waverley novels the praise so justly so universally bestowed on these admirable works could not have failed to raise up a host of jealous foes against an avowed author however faultless his life and however brilliant his genius but scott fought for and won the high guerdon of renown like the heroes of chivalry with his visor down and the victory was won before the victor was known scott had no need to look for consolation from posthumous fame all europe was filled with his admirers and his admirers could not fail to be his friends the following particulars abridged from an account of the funeral procession from abbotsford to dryborough as recorded by a night-witness will be read with melancholy interest 
by all admirers of the illustrious author when all were in their places the bearers moved slowly forward preceded by two mutes in long cloaks carrying poles covered with crape and no sooner had the coffin passed through the double line formed by the company than the whole broke up and followed in a thick press there was a solemnity as well as a simplicity in the whole of this spectacle which we had never witnessed on any former occasion the long-robed mutes the body with its devotedly attached and deeply afflicted supporters and attendants the clergyman whose presence indicated the christian belief and immortal hopes of those assembled in the throng of uncovered and reverential mourners stole along beneath the tall and umbrageous trees with a silence equal to that which is believed to accompany those visionary funerals which have their existence only in the superstitions of scotland the ruins of dryborough glimmered at intervals through the trees as we slowly approached its western extremity here a considerable portion of vaulted roof still remains opening to the sides and lofty gothic arches and defended by a low rail of enclosure and here was the place of sepulture selected by the poet for himself and family at one extremity of it a tall thriving young cypress rears its spiral form creeping plants of different kinds with ivy never sear have spread themselves very luxuriantly on every part of the abbey these probably were in many instances the children of art but however this may have been nature had herself undertaken their education in this spot especially she seems to have been most industriously busy in twining her richest wreaths around those walls which more immediately form her poet's tomb among her other decorations as a plum-tree once a prisoner perhaps chained to the solid masonry but which having been long since emancipated now threw out its wild pendant branches laden with purple fruit ready to drop as if emblematized of the ripening and decay of human life here the coffin of sir walter was set down on trestles placed outside the iron railing and here that solemn i am the resurrection and the life was read with great effect the manly soldier-like features of the chief mourner on whom the eyes of sympathy were most naturally turned betrayed at intervals the powerful but inefficient efforts which he made to overcome his emotions the other relations who surrounded the bier were deeply moved and amid the crowd of weeping friends no eye and no heart but were entirely absorbed in that sad and impressive ceremonial which was so soon to shut from them for ever the poet who had been so long the common idol of their admiration the man who had so long shared their best affections here and there indeed we might have fancied that we detected some early and long-tried friends of him who lay before us who while tears dimmed their eyes and while their lips quivered were yet partly engaged in mixing up and contrasting the happier scenes of days long gone by with that which they were now witnessing until they became lost in dreamy reverie so that even the movement made when the coffin was carried under the lofty arches of the ruin and when dust was committed to dust did not entirely snap the thread of their visions it was not until the harsh sounds of the hammers of the workmen who were employed to rivet those from bars covering the grave to secure it from violation had begun to echo from the vaulted roof that some of us were called to the full conviction of the fact that the earth had for ever closed over that form which we were wont to love and reverence that eye which we had so often seen beaming with benevolence sparkling with wit or lighted up with a poet's frenzy 
those lips which we had so often seen monopolizing the attention of all listeners or heard rolling out with nervous accentuation those powerful verses with which his exuberant fancy was ever teeming and that brow the perpetual throne of generous expression and liberal intelligence overwhelmed by the conviction of this afflicting truth men would move away without parting salutation singly slowly and silently the day began to stoop down into twilight and we too after giving a last parting survey to the spot where now repose the remains of the scottish shakespeare a spot lovely enough to induce his sainted spirit to haunt and sanctify its shades hastily tore ourselves away like moses he struck the wild rock and behold a stream of delight o'er the barren waste rolled while earth's thirsty millions could stand on its brink and reason and learning in rich goblets drink he drew from antiquity feasts for the soul sent his fame to the stars and his works to the pole bade learning illumine like sunlight the world while the fables of monks to their cloisters he hurled the genius of man leans o'er waverley's bier and pays for her children their tribute a tear while memory inscribes on her tablets of gold thy glory shall live when the skies shall wax old End of section one